But we've been in a series on increase, get in there, increase our faith. And we've been looking at over the last few weeks how God has given us the measure of faith, but also faith is also a fruit that needs to be developed. So it's a gift and a fruit at the same time. We also looked at Jesus' teachings of speaking to the fig tree, speaking to the mulberry tree, speaking to the mountain, and those things in our lives, those obstacles in the way to get out of our way so our faith can grow and increase. Then a few weeks ago, we looked at um, building ourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying spirit-led prayers or speaking spirit-led prayers. So the first four things about increasing our faith had to do with our speaking, speaking to the mountain, fig tree, mulberry tree, and speaking out uh, spirit-inspired prayers. Now today, we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at 2 Peter, starting with verse, chapter 1, starting with verse 1. But if you speak to those things that are removed from, and they're removed from your life, your faith will naturally grow. Amen. You know, your garden grows better when you pull the weeds out. Yeah. That's why mine looks the way it does. I want a garden that uh, you don't have to do anything for. You just throw the things in there. Actually, Holly was talking to a lady a couple weeks ago in, I think, Michigan, or New Jersey, and uh, she said that how she plants in her garden, she just takes the seeds and goes like that and leaves them. And if stuff comes up, great. If it doesn't, she's like, oh, well, maybe next year. And that's, that's her extent of gardening. And uh, for some people, that's their extent of Christianity. They, don't, they just like, the sovereign of God's going to do everything, and we have no responsibility for anything. But if you want to tend the soil of you, you have to tend to the soil of our heart. Because remember, there's four types of soil of our heart, and it's the one that's weeded. The one that's been tended to is one that will have growth. So we want to pull out those weeds, and we do it by speaking to it. All right, so Second uh, Peter 1, 1 through 4. Again, I'm going to try to go slower today. It's going to be a constant goal for me. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm trying. You guys, my mother was here. She would, uh, she would do it, but uh, you guys can just help me out. So Second Peter 1, 1 through 4. All right, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has already, okay, given you all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, if I didn't tell you this, you probably would think that the Apostle Paul wrote that because of how it's worded. I mean, you're like, after you get about a couple verses in, you're like, wah, 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 wah. At least for me, like, what in the world did he say there? But it's actually Peter. And this is an uneducated, untrained man, a fisherman, but he'd been with Jesus. He had spent time with the Lord. And so I'm going to try to go back over some of these verses to make it a little more clear what Peter's trying to say to these people. He's written to believers that have obtained like precious faith as him. So there are people that had received faith. Now, the word obtained... It doesn't mean earned. It doesn't mean you saved up for and you obtained something, you purchased it. It means, it's actually the word for casting lots. The same word for casting lots. And it's a divine allotment. It's a divine gift of God's grace 
that you've been given like precious faith as Peter. We've had this other weeks, we talked about the same faith as Jesus, the same faith as Peter and Paul. But that's what you have received, is that like precious faith by a divine allotment, not by works that you've done, nothing you could earn. And Peter is saying to his fellow believers that grace and peace will be multiplied in your life through the knowledge of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, you can clear that off the screen for me now because then they'll look at me and not over there for now because I'm just going to say it again anyway. The uh, Blank the verse for me, will you? Um, there, thank you. All right, so Peter is saying to his fellow believers that grace and peace will be multiplied in our lives as we add the knowledge of God to our lives, the knowledge of Jesus to our lives. So it's not your basic mathematical problem here. It's not your order of operations. You add, and God multiplies. You add these things in your life, and grace and peace be multiplied in your life. You add the knowledge of Jesus. You add the knowledge of Father God, Holy Spirit, into your life. He's going to multiply grace and peace in your life. Who doesn't want a multiplication of grace and peace in your life? Everybody does. The lost do. They just don't know that's what they want, but they do. And so in God's mathematical system, if you add, he'll multiply. If you sit back and do nothing, your garden's going to look like mine. Amen? But if you add the knowledge of God into your life, he's going to multiply stuff back to you because you can't outgive God. Amen? You can't outgive him. You can't outtie him. You can't outgive him. You can't out anything him because he's, he's awesome. Then Peter goes on to say that everything we need for life and godliness belongs to us through the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God, again, everything you need for life and godliness, everything you need for your life, spiritually, materially, uh, physically, financially, everything, I think everything means everything, don't you think? Everything you need for your life and your godly living, your ability to live like God, Christian walk, has already been given to you, but it's, you receive it through the knowledge of Him. Amen? Did you see that? So when you add the knowledge of God to your life, not only does He multiply grace and peace to you, but also everything you need for life and godliness is also given to you. Everything. But you have to add to that knowledge, amen? So everything that we are ever going to need comes to us through the knowledge of God. If we don't know, it's like they, uh, Paul said, how can they believe if they haven't heard? How can they go if they haven't been sent or haven't been called and all those things? How can we know what to believe? How can we know who God is or who God is to us or through us if we haven't been told, if we don't know? But as we add those things uh, to our life, he's going to multiply grace and truth. He's going to give you everything you need for life and godliness. Then he goes on to say, as we add the knowledge of God to our lives, he's going to also add these great, exceedingly great and precious promises in your life. And as you add these to your life, you get to be a partaker of the divine nature of God. The divine nature of God. Amen? But it's going to be received as you add these things to your life. Pull some things out. Pull some weeds out. Plant some good potatoes or whatever you want. Carrots and corn in there. You've got to plant some stuff in there, and it's going to be the knowledge of God, and you're going to reap the harvest of being a partaker of the divine nature. Now, all these things sound good. A good garden sounds good, right? But it takes some work. It's going to take some time and some things to do. So this divine nature of God causes us to escape the corruption of sin and lust in this world. He's like, well, I can't. I can't. Some people think they can't stop sinning. Well, guess what? You can. 
when you know what God did in you, and when you, when you put in the knowledge of the truth of his word in you, and his divine nature starts living through you, uh, sin's going to look like nothing compared to the anointing and the presence of God walking in you and through you. Like, why would you want to smoke a joint? Why would you want to do drugs? Why would you want to go out and sleep with a prostitute? Why would you want to go look at porn? Why would you want to go do these things if you have the knowledge and the revelation of God in you? It's when you don't have that revelation that sin is attractive, sin, the, the, the lust of things, but the divine nature, it says, causes these things to be dead, causes you to escape the corruption of the world, the lusts of the world, the, the, the knowing the divine nature that you are a partaker, a partner with the divine nature of God already. You are right now. You might not feel it because you feel like, well, I feel sleepy. Well, I feel weary. Well, I feel tired. Well, I feel this. Well, it doesn't come through your five senses. It doesn't come through that. It comes through your spirit man. It comes through your spirit man, the one new man he created, Jew and Gentile, one new man. It was us recreated in Christ. And that's where this is. That's where all the, the, all, everything you need for life and godliness is. That's where all these blessings come from. So my question is to you when you think about these things, is what an invitation, what, an, what a promise, what an opportunity, everything you need for life and godliness. Like, you're like, where do I sign up? Yeah. Blessings going to be multiplied in my life. Uh, grace and peace going to be multiplied in my life. I escape corruption and sinful world. I get to be a partaker of the divine nature of God. Sign me up, right? And like, well, how, what, what, how do we get this knowledge into our lives? Well, I'm going to look at that with you guys today. First, we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 2.12. And I hope today, by the time I'm done, that some of you might be shouting. Okay? Even if you don't feel like it, not to scare me. I don't mean like a, a scream. But, but you'll be shouting as you get to see what God put on the inside of you. Because you don't, always, you don't usually feel it. You don't see it. You can't taste it or smell it. You, you have to be spiritually discerned. Amen? So 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. Let me read it again. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, praise God. We have not received the spirit of the world. We didn't receive a spirit of fear. We didn't receive those spirits. We received the spirit of God, who's from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to you and to me. We may know it. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit in your life is for you to know what you have, to know who you are, to know what you have. And that's going to come from yielding to him and listening to him. This verse tells us we need the Spirit of God to know what we have. It's not going to come through our five senses. So this knowledge is not intellectual knowledge. It's not a scientific knowledge about the existence of God, even though those are both good things. They're both important things. But we need to walk if we're going to walk in the multiplication of grace and truth, we need a spiritual revelation, a spiritual understanding of what God actually put on the inside of you. Okay? I'm telling you, now is the season. All of creation is groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God. And how it's going to manifest is as we add this knowledge to who we are, we learn who we are in our spirit, man, and we step into our rightful place and take dominion and authority like God wants us to. Amen. God wants you to. He wants you to look like him. You imagine God walking around on earth like a, like a pauper or a poor man 
or a, a poverty mentality or the things that we walk around with as, as church people, as, as sons and daughters of God. This is not the spirit of God. And you have not received the spirit of the world. You've received the spirit that is from God. It causes you to know who you really are. And I'm praying for an awakening in our spirits today, and not just for today, but for every day, that we can walk in the things that God wants us to walk in. Amen? Amen. Let me show you this in another verse. Second, it's a few verses before, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10. So whoever, as is written, no eye has seen it, no ear has heard it, no mind has conceived it, what God has prepared for those who love him. That's from Isaiah 64, 4. Then he goes on to say in verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Your eye hasn't seen it, your ear hasn't heard it, your mind can't conceive it, but your spirit can receive it. Your spirit can receive it. Your mind might not know it. Your eyes can't recognize it or see it or can't see in the spirit what's going on over here sometime unless you have the gift open to you. But your spirit can receive the things of God. And through this revelation of wisdom and knowledge of God, that's, that's how we're going to know who we are and what God wants us to do. If we're looking for outward signs in the natural, outward signs of what's going on here or there, we're going to be in trouble because it's spiritually discerned not through our five senses. So what knowledge do we need to walk in these blessings? What knowledge? You know, I was looking up an article this week trying to just Google some things. What kind of, how many different types of knowledge are there? And I, I was quite shocked. I, I thought there'd be, you know, five or six maybe. This one article, article I saw has 14 different types of knowledge. 14. I'm like, wow, that's something. So they had experiential knowledge, you know, just life experiences that you, you learn from. They had educational knowledge, things you learn in school. They had uh, knowledge we received through our five senses. And they had procedural knowledge, like how to do something, like how to make jam, how to sew something or bake a cake or build something. They had 14 different types of knowledge. And one knowledge that's the, probably the most important knowledge for us to possess is spiritual knowledge didn't even make their 14 list when it should be in our lives number one. Because how are we going to know who we really are? When you, when you get to heaven, you're going to know, for sure. But, you know, you're not going to have a big impact when you get there. You're going to enjoy the, the fruit. You're going to enjoy the benefits of being there. But you're not going to have a big impact here on this planet. And that's why I'm not so much personally into an escapism mentality where I'm just waiting for the rapture to come so I can get out of here. I want to take as many people with me as I can. So mine, mine's not an escape mentality. Mine's a victory mentality that if we're greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world, then we should be triumphing over more than conquerors of everything that's around us to, to change, shift culture, to shift things in the spirit realm so things look differently. Amen? Amen. Think, not, not just my get out of hell free card or not just my get out of earth free card, but I want to I walk into the dominion that God paid for and see the fruit that he paid for and see the lost souls that are on the verge of falling over a cliff into the pit of hell forever, having them pull rescue from that pit, rescue from that cliff, and into life in Jesus. Amen. But we have to believe we have the answer or we have nothing to offer them. If we don't believe we have the answer, we have nothing to offer them. Well, you might as well go to the doctor, and he'll give you some pills for that. 
You might as well go to him. He'll give you some this and he'll give you some that. Or go to the druggie down the road or go to the witch doctor like they do in Uganda because people don't know what they have on the inside of them. And if you know you have the answer to man's problem, problems hidden in these earthen vessels, these jars of clay, if you knew you had the answer in you, we would be more bold to what we say to druggies and people that are addicted to things. If we think, well, there's a 10-step there's a program, and I'm, guys, I'm not against 10-step. I'm, I'm for anything that's trying to help, right? Amen. So I don't, I don't mean that negative way. But if we think we can't do anything, we're not going to do anything. Right. right? So Psalm 119, 130, it says, The entrance of your words gives light, and it gives understanding to the simple. I think first step is we need to understand we are simple. The wisest guy to ever live, Einstein or whoever, is a fool compared to God. Man's wisdom is foolishness to God. And the entrance of God's word is going to give us light. It's going to give us understanding to the simple. And guys, we need understanding. We are simpletons. And we are stuck with the five senses of logic and reasoning. When God wants to open up a whole new door of spiritual life to us, we can see the possibilities of what it's like to walk in the new man. Amen? To walk in the new man. What is possible? I think Jesus walked around showing that to disciples every single day. Hey, what is possible? Those who walk with the Father, who walk in the Spirit, right? So spiritual knowledge that we need is going to come from the Word of God. It brings understanding to the simple, but not the Word of God alone, okay? Because the Word of God alone, you see people that have whole books of the Bible memorized, whole chapters memorized. You think of the Pharisees. They had to have the first five books of the Bible memorized. They uh, probably had other chapters and verses memorized. But then these books prophesied and talked about Jesus, a soon coming king, a prophet coming, a Messiah coming, and all these prophetic verses in the first five books of the Bible that they had memorized. Yet Jesus himself, the Messiah, is standing right in front of them, and they did not know it was him. They didn't know it. Because they were in the intellectual mode. They were into logic and reasoning. They needed the spirit of truth to breathe on them, their eyes to be open. They could see, hail the Messiah, hail the King of the Jews. This is Jesus, the Messiah. They didn't know it. So you don't just need the Bible. We need the Bible, and we need the Holy Spirit, the interpreter or translator of the Bible. It's one thing to read the Bible. It's another thing to know the author of the Bible. You know, if I was to send you a text message, and uh, I just, I was doing it quick, and I'm like, oh, I just sent like four or five words. If you didn't know me, you think, oh my gosh, that was the rudest text message. Maybe there was a typo or autocorrect or something going on there. That was the rudest thing I've ever heard in my life. I can't believe he would say something like that to me and get all offended. But if you know me, if you knew my heart, and you know our relationship, you're like, that had to be a typo. Ryan would never use a bad word like that. It just <laughs> I almost did one day, but it was autocorrect. I didn't type it on purpose. Praise God. But anyway, but uh, you probably all sent messages or received them from a, from a friend where you're like, well, what does this mean? I know one was different with Joey and Anna. Uh, Anna's message said that Joan had a heart attack. And uh, my, Joan, Joey's message to me said that uh, she didn't have a heart attack. And so Anna's writing me, please pray for mom. She had a heart attack. I'm like, well, Joey just texted me and said she didn't. It's like, what is going on? You know, a little different, but uh, messages can get confusing, right? They can get confusing. But when you know the author of the book, it's going to so much more help you understand the book. Amen. Amen. And I think sometimes we had a lot of people teaching us things 
that didn't know the author. They knew a religious system. They knew a, a formula that denied the power of God. They have God in all these little boxes. of he's, He always does it just like this or whatever. And God doesn't have any boxes. I think as soon as you put him in one, he's going to like go and, like, and just do something different. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so knowing the author. Jesus said in John 4, 23 and 24, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus is the truth, right? The way, the truth, and the life. But Jesus also was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word. Jesus is truth. But you also need the spirit of God that hovered over the waters to breathe revelation and life on that word that brings it to life to us to get revelation and understanding. I'll tell you the truth. When I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and prayed in tongues for the very first time in 1995, I was a senior in Bible college. I had read through the Bible multiple times. I had to read the Pentateuch, at least four different translations, which that was challenging, especially when you get to Leviticus. Oh, my gosh. That's a tough book to read, I'm just going to say. Anyway, and uh, so I kind of cheated a little bit, but I, uh, I listened to it in the NIV on tapes, and I'd follow along in the King James, so I counted it two, two at one time, because <laughs> just, anyway, it's a lot to read. Confession of a pastor in Bible college. But anyway, um, the night I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the next morning I get up, and I was reading my Bible, and I was like, like, all this stuff was, like, jumping off the pages to me that I've never had happen before. It was a brand new experience. What was it? The Holy Spirit was breathing on his word and interpreting and translating things I had never seen before. It's a spiritual book. It's not the Reader's Digest. It's not Time Magazine or something. You know, it is a spiritual book, and the Holy Spirit is needed for us to have understanding. So how do we add spiritual knowledge? We, have, we need the, the word of God, and we need the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit of truth, amen. Now, I mentioned this first to you guys last week, Philemon 1.6, and I'm going to expand some on that with you guys today. It says that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Read it again. That the communication of thy faith, that means you or your, for you young guys, uh, faith may become effectual by acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. That's quite different than what Paul said in Romans 7, 18, where he said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Now, one's saying, nothing good dwells in my flesh. Another one's saying, as you acknowledge what's put on the inside of you, your faith is going to be effectual to actually start to grow. So clearly, he's not talking about in your flesh. He's not talking about you studying your, your flesh and learning what's in your flesh. You know that already. You live with yourself every day. You know there's nothing good in there. There's nothing good in there. There's some good organs in there, I guess. There's some good uh, body and skin. But actually, the, the nature of what's in your flesh, there's nothing good in there. What's good is in your spirit man. That's what we need to look at, your spirit man, not the mirror of on your wall in the bathroom, which that's also needed and important, you know, before you go out, good thing to do. But you need to look at the mirror 
of God's word because that's the only way you're going to be able to see what your born-again spirit now looks like. It's the only way. There is no other way but God's word to know what your spirit looks like. And it says that your faith is going to become effectual as you look at and understand what you have been freely given on the inside of you already. Your faith's going to become effectual. Amen? So um, as we acknowledge what God has put on the inside of us, our faith is going to work. Okay? If we don't acknowledge what God has already put on the, on the inside of us, our faith is not going to do much of anything. Now, our faith here, I'm going to, I want to share a few uh, terms here, what they mean, some of the definitions here. But communication in that verse, Philemon 1.6, it means sharing, fellowship, communion, and partnership, or partner or partnership. So the communion, communication of your faith. That could be referring to you sharing your faith with friends and family. That could be you sharing like evangelistically or witnessing to a neighbor or a stranger. That could be sharing your faith through praying for someone who's sick. It can be any of those things. But your faith, the communication of your faith, which is also fellowship, partnership with your faith or with the faith in general, will become effectual as you acknowledge what's inside of you. You're like, well... I want this guy to pray for me. I want that guy to pray for me. Well, you can do that, but guess what's on the inside of you? Guess what's on the inside of you? All right? And if you're just guessing, you're in trouble because you don't need to guess. You can take out the mirror of God's word and say, wow, this is who you say that I am. Now, is this in a sweet by and by? Is this when we all get to heaven? Uh, is, or is this right now? And if you go through these verses with me today, you're going to see that it's right now. It's right now. Amen. So an interesting thing to note is that the same word that Peter used in 2 Peter 1.4 um, is, is, uh, that we might be partakers of divine nature is the same word for communication in that verse or partner or partnership. So you're going to be a partner, have partners with, with the Holy Spirit as you acknowledge what's already in you. It's a partnership. Your faith will become, it's like a, it's a partner to you. It, it, uh, not just communication, but it's partnership, and it's a partaker. Another one, another word I want to look at is acknowledge. Precise, it means precise and correct knowledge, recognition, and full discernment. Again, Peter used that same word in verse 2 when he said, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. So acknowledgement and knowledge was the exact same word. So you can see what uh, these verses, 1 through 4 of Second Peter, chapter 1, and Philemon 1, 6, you break it down, they're really saying the same thing. As you acknowledge what's in you, as you add to that knowledge of God, grace and peace is going to be multiplied to you. You're going to add uh, all these other things, or life and godliness to you, the divine nature. All this stuff is going to be yours as we add to that. Amen? And one more word, uh, effectual. Effectual here means active and at work. Uh, the word effectual in the Greek is actually where we get our word for energy. Energy, okay? It is used three times in the New Testament. Paul said, for a great and effective door is open to me. The word effective there is, is the word effectual. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. That word powerful is the same word for effectual. Your faith will be effectual. It'll be powerful, effective, active, at work, energized, full of energy as we acknowledge what Christ has put on the inside of you. Amen? Amen? Amen. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, we need to do that. We need to do that. Amen? So I'm glad you said that because uh, we're going to do that right now. Okay? We're going to add to that knowledge right now. Okay? So um, what is in our born-again spirits? That's what we're going to look at for the remainder of our time. What is in our born-again spirits? There is no way, like I said before, to tell by your natural senses. There's no way to tell. Uh, you can't feel it, hear it, touch it, taste it, smell it. You can't see it, experience it. They are spiritually discerned. So you have to look at God's mirror. So the first verse I want to show you is from 1 Corinthians 6.17. First, I don't know if you have that one or not, but 1 Corinthians 6.17 it says, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Okay? You might not be like, I feel so distant from the Lord. I feel so far away from the Lord. I feel, I feel, I feel. Hogwash. Baloney. He who has joined himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. One spirit. The word joined there is the same word for glued. You've been glued together in such a way that no man can separate. It's like marriage is supposed to be. What God, God has joined together that no man separate. As the two become one flesh, so you become one spirit with the living God on the inside of you. You are one with God right now if you're born again. If you're not, you need to be born again. You must be born again if you ever want to see Jesus again. Amen. If you ever want to go to heaven, you must be. So your spirit right now is joined to the Lord, is one spirit with God. Now, that does not mean you are God, okay? I'm not saying you are God. I am saying that your spirit is joined to God, just like your, your heart is connected to your earthly father or your heart's connected to your mother or a family member or something. Your spirit is one with God, amen? Now, how much closer can you get? But your feelings will try to tell you something different. But it's not true. It's not true. According to God's mirror, it's not true. Hebrews 10, 14. I love these verses. I'm going to try to do them slow, but sometimes they just get me a little fired up. So, For by one offering, who's offering? Jesus, right? Not by lambs and goats. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified or being sanctified, whichever version you're reading. By one offering of Jesus, your born-again spirit, your new man, what you received when you're born again, the old is gone, behold, all things become new, is absolutely perfect forever. It's not improving day by day by day. It's not getting better as you repent and confess, all these other things. It, you're, it's perfect right now, your spirit forever. It's just perfect right now. It's going to be in heaven. It's perfect your spirit that's one with God is absolutely perfect. Praise God. Have you ever tried to do stuff and be a real perfectionist? I know I've struggled with that. But praise God, it's something I don't even have to even work on. I just have to believe it. Praise God. What a load off, right? <laughs> um, it's perfected forever. Amen? And it wasn't by something that you did. It's by something that Jesus did for you. Amen? Receive it. I'm just saying, receive it. All right, next one. 1 John 3.3. 3. Anyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, man, if someone told you that and you didn't know the Bible, you're like, what a blasphemous thing to say. How can you say that I'm as pure as Jesus is? But I'm as pure as Jesus is. You're as pure as Jesus is. You have the hope in Christ for your salvation? Is he your, your means to your salvation? Him alone, right? Come on, man. Come on. Hey, hey, hey. Come on. Wake up. Wake up. Is it? Is this you? Are you, is, your hope is in him for your salvation, right? He who purifies, what does it say? In him. 
you're as pure just as he is pure. In your, where is that? It's in your spirit. It's not your mind, will, imaginations. Your mind and will and imagination go all over the place. But in your spirit, man, you are just as pure as God himself. Amen. That's you. That really is you. It doesn't feel like you, but that really is you. That's the part of you that's going to heaven. Amen? That's your spirit that's perfected forever. And actually, that's a part of you that's already in heaven right now at the same time as you're right here because you're seated with him in heavenly places right now. Far above all this stuff and everything else. All right, Ephesians 4.24 says, And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Your new man, your born-again spirit, was recreated in Christ Jesus in righteousness and true holiness. Absolute holiness. It's perfect. It's as righteous as it's ever going to be. It's as holy as it's ever going to be. It's as pure as it's ever going to be. It's absolutely perfect forever, and your spirit is one with God. That's what's on the inside of you. And as you acknowledge what's on the inside of you, your faith becomes effectual. It will work. It will be active. It will be energized to do the things God asks you to do as you believe what God said about you is true. Amen. Amen. Let's look at another one, Romans 5, 5. Now, hope does not disappoint us, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So in your spirit, man, right now, is the love of God. Yes. It's not you're trying to get more love. It's not you're trying to, like, God love me, God love me, or whatever. The love of God is already in your spirit right now, poured out into your spirit by the Holy Spirit, all of his love, all of it. That's where God lives. God lives in you. And his love is in your spirit right now. The mercy of God, the compassion of God, the kindness of God, the gentleness of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, all of the nature of God and all the fruits and characteristics of God is on the inside of your one new spirit man right now. And as you acknowledge those things, as you add those knowledge to you, you're going to be a partaker of the divine nature. You're going to walk in these blessings of God, and your faith is going to be active and effective, whether you're talking to your kids or talking to a stranger or you're praying for the sick. Your faith is going to be active and effective as you know what's in your born-again spirit. We've got to know. And the only way to know is by looking in the mirror of the Word of God. Amen? It's the only way to know. Uh, Hebrews 8.11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. The summarized version of this is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Well, guess where he lives? In your spirit, man. In your one new man. The same resurrection power of God Almighty, the same resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. Amen. If we don't know these things, it's the same thing like, what do we have to offer? Well, we have the resurrection life of God in us. I mean, that's kind of important. But if we don't add to that knowledge, to our belief, that is not going to be effectual in our life. Amen? A couple more verses here, two more. And then I'm going to do that I am sheet with you guys so we can confess who we are, remember who we are. But Colossians 1.27, To them God willed, to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Praise God. Amen. Now, I know you heard it before, but I want you just to 
meditate, chew on it a little bit. Christ lives on the inside of you. Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? Christ is the anointed one in his anointing. The anointed one in his anointing lives on the inside of you. God himself lives on the inside of you. When you go to pray for somebody, minister to somebody, you have access in your spirit, man, to all the wisdom of heaven, all the wisdom of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God on the inside of you as we learn to open that valve and tune to what the Spirit's saying, not what our flesh wants to say. There's nothing good in our flesh. The flesh counts for nothing. The flesh is weak, the Bible talks about. It's the Spirit what counts. It's the Spirit that gives life. And when you're praying for somebody, you're trying to connect your, you connect to your spirit so you can release what's in there to them. When I'm praying for the sick, I'm trying to release what's in there to them. I'm not trying to release something I'm, I'm carrying. I'm trying to release something that, well, I guess I kind of am carrying it. I'm an earthen vessel carrying it, but I'm trying to release what's in me from God to them. Amen? And we have to, and it's going to be effective as you acknowledge what's on the inside of you. Amen? One more. John 14, 20. On that day you will realize, and I hope that day is today, if it hasn't been already for you guys, that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. That's why he can say, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'm closer than a friend or a brother. That no matter what you feel like, no matter how your day's going, no matter how your emotions feel, if you feel like he's like a million miles away, your prayers aren't getting past the ceiling. God Almighty, the creator of the universe, lives and breathes and dwells on the inside of your spirit, man. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He didn't leave you as an orphan. He gave you the spirit of God, the spirit of himself, to be on the inside of you 24-7, every day of your life, to never leave you, forsake you, to empower you, to bless you, to encourage you, give you grace and peace, so you can walk in the divine nature and overcome sin and overcome the, the wiles of the enemy. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than enough through Christ who, who died for you. Amen? Amen? You're not a conqueror. You are not a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. I don't know what that looks like, but I guess it's total devastation on the enemy. We didn't just beat him. We kicked his tail, took a few names, and then did the Goliath, David Goliath thing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Pastor Nathan shared about that Wednesday at the bridge for the youth event there and Awakening Nights. And uh, it I forgot it said that. When he killed Goliath with the rock, you know, after he hit him with the rock and he's on the ground, it says he stood on top of him. <laughs> he stood on top of him, and then he cut off his head with his own sword. I think that's more than conquer right there. Amen. Amen. And we're not talking about people. We're talking about the devil, not just taking authority, not just pushing back principalities and powers, but taking, releasing the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth, just like heaven. God doesn't have two homes in mind of, here, he has one home in mind, and this is what he wants to look like. And the model is heaven. He wants that model of heaven to be released here on this earth, where we live now, not after we die. Amen? Jesus said that. All right. So God lives on the inside of you. We know faith comes by hearing. We know faith grows by speaking to those obstacles in the way. We've looked at that. And today, our faith becomes effectual, active, energized, at work, as we acknowledge what is in our spirit, man? What God put in there. Amen? Amen. All right, if you guys will stand. We're going to do a spiritual exercise together. You can put that uh, first one up for me, John Ray, and I'll give you guys instructions.
So I have 40 verses here. A lot of you guys have done this before. A lot of you have the, the sheets that we've printed out here before. But this is something that's going to cause your faith to be effectual, active, awake. Your faith can be asleep. You can uh, have, uh, you know, a lot of, you can wake up by realizing who you are because of God said you are. Amen? So when you say these things, please don't say it like this. I am a child of God. I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Like, man, if it doesn't mean anything to you, it's not going to mean anything to God. That's what I think. But if you say it, you have to speak it out of your mouth and believe what you're saying. That these are not just the words of man. These are words from God. And God is the one in charge. He is the one who has the final say on things. If he says that's who you are, that's who you are. If he says that's what you can do, that's what you can do. And everything else around that has to shift and change as we come to agreement with what he said. Amen? So I would like you to say it today with an attitude of faith. With an attitude of faith. Amen? You know, there's an attitude of faith. It has an attitude with that. And so I want to say it with some spunky attitude, okay? All right, it's not, it's not faith in me. It's not faith in my faith. It's faith in God and faith in his word. Amen? So let's say this together the best that we can, okay? I, oh, let me say this first. We're supposed to say I am before each one. For those that haven't done this before, it's I am, and then you say a child of God. So I am a child of God. I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I am forgiven. I am saved by grace through faith. I am justified. I am sanctified. I'm a new creature. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am delivered from the powers of darkness. Next one. I am led by the Spirit of God. I am a son of God. I am kept in safety wherever I go. I am getting all my needs met by Jesus. I am casting all my cares on Jesus. I am strong in the Lord in the power of his might. I am doing all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. I'm an heir to the blessings of Abraham. I'm observing and doing the Lord's commandments. Next one. I am blessed coming in and blessed going out. I'm an heir of eternal life. I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings. I am healed by his stripes. I am exercising my authority over the enemy. I am above only and not beneath. I am more than a conqueror. I am establishing God's word here on earth. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I am daily overcoming the devil. Last one. I am not moved by what I see. I am walking by faith and not by sight. I am casting down vain imaginations. I am bringing every thought into captivity. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm a laborer together with God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm an imitator of Jesus. I am the light of the world. I am blessing the Lord at all times and continually praising the Lord with my mouth. Amen. That is who you are, praise God. Amen. Your flesh might not feel it, but that's who you are in your newly created, born-again spirit. And as you believe that, as you receive that, your faith 
we become effectual, active, and at work. Amen? Amen? So if you need a copy of that, if you don't have one, let me know, and I can run some photocopies for you so you can have that at home just to pray over it. As I started believing some of these things, I would say it, I'm alone, I just confess them again and again. I don't always remember where they're from, but I know they're in there because I don't memorize the tags all the time, the location, but I memorize the verses. But what did God say about me? At some point, we got to believe God, amen? That God's smarter than us and he knows what he's talking about. And this is who God says that we are right now. Not when we get to heaven, but right now. Because we are with him and in him. One spirit with him, amen? Let me pray for you. I'm going to dismiss you. God, I thank you that this is true because you cannot lie. And you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by you and through you. I thank you for the the word of God, the the sword of the spirit of truth that comes through the word of God. I thank you for Holy Spirit that you are the one who expands these things to us, to teaches us these things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You teach these things to us. It says you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things and you do not need anyone to teach you. He also gave teachers to the church, but the Holy Spirit also is a teacher in your life to teach you to reveal to you, to bring out revelation knowledge to you so it moves past head knowledge and into spiritual knowledge where your faith becomes effective. Lord, I pray that for each one here, that this will not be a message, but it'll be a lifestyle, that you activate this body of Christ, you would activate the body of Christ, you would activate the body of Christ. Come on, is there now not a cause? You would activate the body of Christ for such a time as this, that our faith would be effective, effectual, so we could do the works of the kingdom. You said that you went to the Father, and so now it's our turn to do the works. And the works that you did, we are to do, and greater works than these we shall do, because the Spirit of God is on the inside of us, and you're with the Father. It's our turn. It's our turn. And you're doing these things through us, the same way the Father did these things through the Son. So God, I just bless your people today. I pray this week they'd have divine encounters with your love, divine encounters with your word, divine encounters with your spirit, and a divine encounter with the lost or someone in need of prayer. A way for them to communicate their faith to somebody. I pray that for each one here, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.